Amen. Wow. Shouldn't be in shock and awe when God sets up the message like that. That's uh, pretty amazing. Thank you, team, for that. Um, I'm Sean. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, welcome if you're new with us. Uh, we're so glad you're here. Uh, if you're online with us, welcome as well. Um, we are starting a new series today, a new 12-week series in the book of Acts. Um, I can't tell you how excited I am. Uh, I love the book of Acts. Uh, the team that has been uh, planning and sitting uh, and praying over this is excited to teach it. Uh, so I, I, you've got some really cool weeks ahead of you uh, to hear about the works of the early church and what that means for us. And, and so uh, everyone should have got a handout. If you didn't get a handout, um, uh, they are available in back. Uh, you can, don't feel awkward if you want to get up and grab one. Um, uh, I, I want to thank Jamie Cotting. Uh, you, we introduced him a few weeks ago, well, more than that now, uh, as our director of communications. And he took all the chicken scratch and all the stuff that I typed out for him, and he made it look like that. Um, Thank you, Jamie. I think he's here. I don't have my glasses on. I took them off, so I honestly don't know who's in the second row. So um, the second I took those off. Uh, sometimes it's a benefit. Sometimes I can't see if you're falling asleep or not. Um, so, um, but Jamie did a fantastic job of, of taking all the information I threw at him and put it in there. But this is going to be a tool for you throughout the entire series. Tuck it in your Bible. Um, uh, keep it with you. Uh, you'll find it useful. Uh, if you are online with us, uh, we will give a downloadable version of it in a PDF along with the sermon today. Uh, so you can download that. If you lose track of yours and need another one, you can do that. Um, we have a very full service and I'm so excited about that. So I don't know how many more will be left over the next few weeks, but that's a tool for you. It's a gift to you. Hopefully it'll help. Um, so jumping into the book of Acts. Um, where do we start? Well, in John, of course. So let's turn to John chapter 12. It may seem a little weird, but Jesus sets up the mission of the book of Acts here. He gives a glimpse of what this is going to look like as the church moves forward. We're calling this the Acts movement. It is the movement of God's church and his gospel forward. And Jesus gives us kind of this precursor, this foreshadowing to that here in chapter 12 and verse 23. And it says this, And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And I, where I am, there will be my servant also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. You see, Jesus is giving a picture of what it looks like for him to empower the movement of the church in the book of Acts. We, we talked about this scripture a few months ago when we were going through the book of John. But it's that picture of Jesus saying, listen, for something to flourish, for a seed to do its job, it must die be buried, but then it sprouts and fruit comes from it. And so the book of Acts is the outcome of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ultimately his movement and ascension to move the church forward by empowering the fruit, 
his people, his disciples, his disciples, his followers, to give them what they need to take this message to the world. And so basically, at its root, that's what Acts is. It is the natural outcome of Jesus' sacrifice, all that he taught, all that he gives, and his people taking that and running with it. So today is, is kind of more Bible study-ish. It's, a, it's more of a who, what, when, where, and, and ultimately the big why type of message. It's, it's looking at the people and places, the faces, all of these events in the book of Acts and having this opportunity to move with them. So consider this your intro into Acts. We're going to dive now into the actual book. So if you want to turn to chapter one, we'll start there. Be ready to start and stop. <clears throat> but we'll start here in verse 1, chapter 1. And it says this. In the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. We're going to stop right there. And I know you're, you're saying, Sean, we didn't even make it past the first verse. But we're going to stop there. We won't do that with all of them. Uh, we'll be here until, well, next Sunday. Um, <clears throat> but I want to start here because it's the, it's the first two who's and the first what? I know that sounds kind of Dr. Seuss-ish, um, but it's the first glimpse of what the book of Acts looks like. So let's, let's address the first couple things here first. The author is referencing this first book. And, and this first book is not Acts. This first book is actually the Gospel of Luke. And so what you have to do is you have to look at Luke the Gospel and the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, together. They're like a two-set volume. If you went to Barnes & Noble, you would buy this. It'd have that fancy cardboard around it. It'd sit in your shelf. You know they go together. They look the same. When, when this was written, it was meant to be seen together. First, this biographical view of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. This, this picture of what Jesus did, the, the accounts recorded in Luke of all the things that he accomplished, he taught, and then ultimately what he did on the cross. And the second volume, which is the one that the author is in right now, is the book of Acts. This book of the historic. The book that really is more text than the gospel was. And when you look at it and you see it as a book of history, valid history, together with the gospel, you get this incredible picture of what Jesus did, is doing, and will do. And I want to say this because I know oftentimes we get in this place as modern followers of Christ and say, well, Sean, that was written 2,000 years ago. How does it apply to me? Now, listen, if Scripture is true, in Paul's writing to Timothy, all scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, and raising up in righteousness. So the book of Acts is just as applicable to the people of first century Israel, the first century part of Asia and Europe, as it is to us today. So don't get caught up in their time frame. Start looking for opportunities to go, how does the book of Acts apply to me today? And it will, and it should. So that's the first what. It's this, this book. And in your handout, you'll, you'll see a quick overview of the book of Acts. Some of its time uh, and its span. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But I want to get to the next part, which is the, the first who. 
in Whoville. Uh, and that's the author. And, and the first volume of the book set gives it away. The author of Acts is Luke. I heard someone say it. Is Luke. So Luke is this first century historian, observer, investigator. You can see more in your handout about him. He, he wasn't your normal Jew, but he understand Jewish people. And he had a perspective that was unique to him. I've been using this illustration a lot over the last couple of weeks for a couple other things, but if you were at a, a four-way intersection and, 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 and a, car, a car crash happened right in the middle of that intersection, and you were one of four people who stood on the corner and witnessed this car crash, your perspective of the car crash is from your particular place, the things that you're wired to see and hear. Someone maybe in, in the view of the car crash where they didn't see much. Maybe something was blocking it or it doesn't look so bad. But there could be another person on the opposite corner that got hit with the shrapnel of this, this car accident. Everybody brings kind of their stuff to the witness of things throughout history. And Luke brings his very particular and specialized view to it. And so we see him, like I said, as historian, investigator, observer. We also know that Luke was more than likely a physician. And we know that from Colossians chapter 4. When Paul is writing to the Colossian people, he says, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you. So here's what we know of Luke. We know he's not a normal Jew. He's kind of an outsider. We know from what we're going to learn over the next 12 weeks of how he writes that he has a very particular perspective. We know that at least he's very educated. Even some of the things that he writes in the book of Acts have a very medical feel, <clears throat> which is very good for Paul because Luke ends up being a companion to Paul, <clears throat> and Paul has ailments. He says it throughout the New Testament. There's something that is bothering him. Now, it could be a couple things. We, we through the book of Acts, will see that, that he was, in his interaction with Jesus for the first time, he had scales on his eyes, so it could be something connected to his sight. It could be some other ailment. Uh, I love Paul, and I've read a couple biographies about Paul, and one of the biographers says that Paul was short, hook-nosed, <laughs> and bull-legged, okay? It goes on to say he was not that attractive, okay? I'm sorry if that applies to any of you. That's not what I'm trying to say. <clears throat> Sometimes I, I'm a little dumpy myself, so I uh, chose to get in shape. I chose the shape of a pear. Um, <clears throat> the reality of Paul talking through Luke and what we see is we see a man who notices things, and writes them down. So him as a physician, companion to Paul, makes sense. Luke is also, and I like to modernize it a little bit, this is how I'm wired, because he was a companion in all these travels, that Luke really fills the space for something we understand as a, as a travel blogger. He sees things, he, he writes them down, he, he observes culture, he observes ethnicity, he observes the things and sights and sounds around him, and he puts it into the book of Acts, just like a good travel blogger will do. This is Luke, Luke the author of Acts. And Luke comes at the book of Acts a, a couple different ways. First, he was not present in the first part of Acts. He doesn't become Paul's companion until later. So we see Luke 
doing interviews. We know that he spoke to the early apostles. Those disciples who followed Jesus had firsthand knowledge of him. He would have interviewed people like Peter, James. He would have interviewed John Mark. And John Mark is one of the writers of a gospel, the book of Mark. So the first part of Acts is, is this interviewing and investigation. The second part of Acts, where we start to see the language change, is when we start to see things like we and us. As we go through Acts, you're going to notice it. It's, it's obvious where Luke is now on the trip. He's there. He's seeing things. He's noticing things. And his unique perspective, guided by the Holy Spirit, we'll talk more about that in a sec, is what becomes timeless information in Scripture for us. He's the first who. The second who here is Theophilus. Now, we don't know much about Theophilus other than the name. And the name just means friend of God. Now, there are theologians out there that believe that, that Theophilus could have been a group of people who followed Jesus. A group of folks who had surrendered their lives to Jesus. But because Luke uses this pseudonym for them, they more than likely were in a place where they couldn't be open and outward with who they were. And so Luke is delivering this information, both the gospel and the book of Acts, to them. Some also believe that it could have been an individual. It could have been someone who was in the house of Caesar who had to keep this stuff secret. And they so desired the information of who Jesus was and then what Jesus' people did that Luke wrote it to them. But I want you to hear something again. I want to reiterate this. It's not just for them. The book of Acts is for us. It applies to us today. So let's continue. I promise you I won't... St- I can't make that promise. We'll try to get through this next 11 verses. But we'll start back in verse 1 because you've probably forgotten about it because it's been that long. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given command through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them over 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? I told you I shouldn't promise that I wasn't going to stop. I'm going to go here. A couple weeks ago, I shared in our Hope series that the people of Israel, the people of first century biblical times, believed that if the Messiah came back, he would come back as a conquering king. He would put all the people who oppress the Israelites in their place and they would sit in this kind of royal household at the throne of Jesus. You can see that here in this moment. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And because Jesus, God, their plans are bigger than our plans and because he's the best teacher who's ever lived, he goes on and says this. He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Hide that scripture in the back of your head. That's going to be important, not just today, but for the next 12 weeks. 
And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into the heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you in heaven will come back in the same way as you saw him go to heaven. Wow. I, I, huh. I'm rarely speechless if you know me well. But there's something about that. This is the moment where Jesus says, I'm the seed, I'm fully resurrected, now I'm going to heaven, go. I'm going to give you every tool you've heard me teach, and I'm going to empower you to spread the good news. This moment in time of seeing that, that, that prophecy through Jesus out of chapter 12 in John fulfilled here was probably a little scary. But I bet they were, they were shook to the bone. And I want to focus in on something here. I think we have a tendency so often to focus on the birth and resurrection of Jesus, and rightfully so. I am not going to downplay it, but sometimes we miss what happens here in the ascension. You see, Jesus, his mission is not over, but his mission is now on two parallel roads. The mission that he is now on is to go and prepare a place. And, and again, in John 14, it says this, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go prepare a place for you? And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. And where I am, you may be also. Two parallel roads. Jesus is on this road of going to the heavenly kingdom. He goes to prepare a place. And he's doing that now and has been doing that. That is one parallel road, but that's awesome. But this one, this other parallel road, this road that we're going to focus in for the next 12 weeks, is that his people, empowered by his Holy Spirit, are building an earthly kingdom. In his name, in his power, to grow and to spread, to move out from where it had started. The rising of Jesus to his throne, then the subsequent giving of the Holy Spirit sets in motion the fruit of that resurrected seed. His followers, servants, willing to lay their lives down for this, for him. And it wasn't just where they were. And this is probably a powerful yet very scary moment for them when he says, in Jerusalem, they're like, yeah. In Judea, eh, I can do that. I know people in Judea. And Samaria, wait, what? Early Israelites hated Samaria. You, you want us to go there? And then to the ends of the earth. They don't even know what that means these are common folk that probably have never left that little area. What does the ends of the earth mean, Jesus? That's, that's unspeakable, unimaginable. But he says it. In a second where you see that he says it without a caveat of power given. So now, Israel, this place in time, it's a perfect place in time, 
It's the crossroads of the civilized world. Most everything kind of travels through here. The message from other parts of the world, the message that is now going to be Jesus from here out, crosses here. And I know some of you are probably saying, Sean, that this isn't the only civilized world at the time. The Roman emperor, empire wasn't the only one. I, I get it. I, I, I love history. And, and there's a whole other civilization farther east that is growing. But here's the thing, and this is where I get excited because I get to start with you, but I also, I'm already looking 12 weeks ahead because I get to finish with you. And the idea of what the ends of the earth really means, man, we should be jazzed about that. But right now, right here, this message is poised to go out through his followers to the ends of the earth. Grab your hand out again. We're going to look at it. I'm going to help you with it become a little bit more of a tool. Because I want to put in perspective the scope of what happens here in this moment and then moving forward. First, let's look at the scope of time. So you're going to see a timeline in your handout also up on the screen here. Yours goes this way. This one goes this way. And this isn't all that's taking place in these 30-some years. But what I want you to see and know is that this timeline of Jesus' road moving forward is running in parallel, in together with Roman history, the history of the world. It, it doesn't sit in some vacuum all by itself. And here's the thing, because Luke is so good at what he does, he helps us as a historian know where we're at in time. He puts things in that are verifiable. He uses names of kings and governors and priests, especially in the book of Acts where he talks about Felix and Festus and Agrippa. These are all verifiable in other secular histories proving this timeline. So the scope of time is huge, and, and, and I have this really cool, it's like a circular history of everything. And when you see what else is happening during this time, it just becomes even more amazing. But the scope of time will be incredible for us as we go through Acts. So what we've done is we've color-coded it for you there. You can see the different phases of time and how they connect to the chapters in the book of Acts. So as you hear other speakers, and we're so excited you're going to hear a lot of voices from up here. As you hear other speakers, someone may say, hey, I'm in Acts chapter 17. And you can go up here and go, oh, Acts chapter 17. I know where that falls. That falls right there in the missional era. And the way we've broken it up is first in apostolic. And this is the early followers of Christ. These folks who were firsthand disciples, the apostles the second era that you'll be seeing is the era of expansion. And this is, actually comes out of some hardship for the followers of Christ. It, it, they're dispersed because the pressure from outside is trying to squelch the message of the gospel. And so by that, they start expanding. This is where we start seeing them hitting Judea and Samaria. And then the final one is, is, is probably what most of us are most familiar with. And this is the missional era. This is the time of Paul and Silas and John Mark. As they go out and they spread beyond Samaria to the, start working to the ends of the earth. And they start meeting people like Timothy and Apollos and Lydia. All great historic characters of the book of Acts when they give their lives over to Jesus and then become the fruit that spread more seeds. 
So as we're going along, you can start to see some of the scope of how big this is, and you can find your place. So keep that with you in your Bible so you know where we're at. We're not going to be doing the book of Acts linearly. We're not going to be doing it chronologically. (laughs) I don't think linearly is really a word. I went to Norway. Anyways, we're going to be picking themes out of the book of Acts that we think are awesome. Things like the miraculous, things like moving into places where people hate you or maybe you hated them and you share the gospel. Moving into these places where the ordinary do the extraordinary. All tied together by one common thread and that's the Holy Spirit. The next thing I want you to see here is kind of the scope of what these first century people were facing when it came to where. So the next map you're going to see is probably the map that you've seen in the back of your Bible, if you have maps in the back of your Bible. Uh, Very common sort of map shows that area that we consider biblical times and then the missional movement of Paul. It's that near Asia part of the world going over into Europe, but starting down here in the right-hand corner in what is Jerusalem, what we would consider the the place, the, the Judea, and then to the Samaria. And what I want you to understand is that for a first century people, especially Jews, that little box is really all they want to do. <laughs> but they have to go and do more. And this is a people that, that don't like outsiders. In your handout, you'll see them called Gentiles. They were very binary in their understanding of culture. It was either you were a Jew or you weren't. And if you weren't, you were dirty and unworthy. So for them to go out and start ministering to the Gentiles was a huge move. But it wasn't only a huge move because it was the people. It was also a huge move because this is big for a first century culture. The next map we have up here give you a little perspective. No, my geography isn't bad. I know Ohio is not in the Mediterranean. But this is an actual real-size perspective of how big this region is. You can fit about six Ohios in the places and the the history of Acts. Now, for us, a modern culture, we look, look at that who can fly and drive and go, well, that's not a lot. That's not a lot. But for us, people who could drive to Cincinnati in a little over three and a half hours or so, we're like, no big deal. But that's not what they did. Walk that same distance and tell me how hard it is. Get on the back of a donkey, sail in a ship. I know there's no way to sail from here to Cincinnati in a ship, but that's what they were doing. Now add into their travels and the scope of this map and how big it is for a first century Jew and add in bandits and killers, and hardships of weather. That's the movement of the gospel that took place in the book of Acts. These people willing to sacrifice everything to go and share Jesus. But here's where I'm going to leave you now. This is kind of that cliffhanger. You know the cliffhangers you get in TV series or movies or something. This is the cliffhanger. They didn't do it alone. They never did anything alone. And I'm not just talking about their companions, their earthly companions. They never did anything alone because the Holy Spirit was with them every time. Acts chapter 1, I told you to hide it back in your mind there. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. 
The other common thread that we see through the book of Acts, and you're going to hear on the weekly, is that the Holy Spirit is right there, empowering, gifting, moving, protecting, guiding. So these people, they had this cheat code. We have a cheat code for my gamers in here. You'll understand it. The rest of you don't know. We have something special to get ahead for the kingdom. And they had a promise, they had a power, and they had this person in the, Christ, in the Holy Spirit to carry them. We have the same promise. We have the same power. We have the same person who can carry us from Wadsworth to Medina County to Ohio to the ends of the earth. We have the same thing. Every time you see the who's and the what's, here we go into Dr. Seuss again, in this book, put your name there because you could be that person, the ordinary doing the extraordinary. You could be that person who's going, listen, I've got something. This, this seed that was buried, resurrected and produced, produced fruit is now in me and I can't help but tell someone. Or I'm sitting in this moment, maybe I need to talk to someone that hated me or that I had Ill, Ill feelings towards, or they don't look like me, or they don't sound like me. They don't live in the same culture or the socioeconomics that I live in. Maybe you need to put your name there. When Peter was forced into thinking that, or Paul had to defend that, we are able to do the ordin as ordinary the same extraordinary they did. So hold on tight. <laughs> to study the book of Acts as a modern day follower of Jesus means seeing the where's, the who's, the when's, and the what's all around you. We need to be a people who cannot help but share the major why of Jesus sacrificed for us and us fully surrendered to him. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this message that you have given your people over 2,000 years as a guidebook for movement. This is not a passive book. These are not a passive people and neither should we. The acts, the actions of the apostles. Lord, let us now continue the history of Acts as a people following you, surrendered to you, willing to sacrifice our lives for you. Let us continue writing that history. Lord, I lift up those that are going to be up in here teaching and sharing your word. Lord, empower them right now. Lord, send us today with this message. Have us find our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, and the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.